Yeah. Sorry, there's a train happening. No worries. Can you hear the train? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that is loud. It really is. We're very close to it. Okay. Um, with the character of Rachel... Ah, oh, the train. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where the character of Rachel is like finding her footing. Oh my god. <laughs> <sighs> Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. We are back, people. <laughs> Finally, with a brand new episode <laughs> talking about the new hit rom-com, Crazy Rich Asians. Sandra, that is a sentence I thought I would never get to say. But Crazy Rich Asians topped the box office this weekend um, with $26 million, which is pretty crazy. Technically 35 it... if you count. It started on Wednesday. That is true. That is true. But if you're just counting the weekend, it was 26 But yeah, 35 for their whatever, their five-day total, which is amazing. Um, but before we get into all that, let's introduce ourselves, and let's name two leads that you want to see the next hit rom-com with. Okay, I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to say specifically who I would love to star in a musical rom-com, um, because I think these are two people whose acting abilities we are proven and we know that they can sing and dance and I think we should see them together. And I'm going to say, I would love to see a rom-com slash musical from Taryn Edgerton and Janelle Monet. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It really does. I would a hundred percent be mostly <laughs> i really need a musical starring Janelle Monet. Um, <laughs> That's Taryn true. Edgerton is someone who I just really like who I who we found out has a great singing voice, but mm -hmm. Janelle Monet needs to star in a rom-com. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Um, how old is she? I think she's in her 20s. Is she really? Okay. I just feel like she's been around for so long that she right. has to be older than that, but she doesn't look oh, older no, than that. Oh, no, she's 32. So. Okay. okay. She just has a youthful glow. She's very, very youthful. <laughs> um, well, for me, I am very interested. I, I like younger rom-coms I, I i like older rom-coms too like with older people in it but i i really like people like fresh out of college like that kind of feel mm -hmm. um i would love to see a rom-com um starring anya taylor joy she was in the witch she was in morgan she was in split she's in thoroughbreds um i feel like she's our current current reigning scream queen and I think it'd be fun. I think she'd be really, really great in a in a rom com. And I'd like her to go up against a very short Tom Holland. <laughs> oh, Tom Holland um, for sure. I think, and let him keep his British accent. Let him just be him, um, his ridiculous quirky self. And I think that would be. I think that would be a fantastic pairing. Yeah, um, he reminds me a lot of. Daniel Radcliffe in that like yes yes you know like just let him be British let him mm -hmm. be handsome and short and charming and like exactly. it's great the whole package works yep it's true 
Well, each episode, we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered throughout the week, whether that be a movie, um, a book, a TV show, um, just something that's really given us joy. So, Sandra, what exactly are you feeling this week? Okay, well, speaking of romance, this week I am feeling a brand new reality series, brand new to me at least, um, called Love Island. Lucas, have you heard of Love Island? I haven't even heard of Love Island. Okay, I'm so excited to know that. (laughs) Um, Love Island is a show that I had not heard of, even though it started in, I think it started before 2015, but the current iteration, um, season one, was in 2015. Never heard of it because it's a British reality show, and I don't really keep tabs on those. Um, But in the past few weeks... All I see on social media is people talking about, like, how obsessed they are with Love Island. I don't know if it just recently became on Hulu or what has caused this, like, frenzy, but I've been seeing a lot of it. So um, then I saw certain comedians that I love who never post about reality TV talk about how much they loved it. I saw um, a girl who is, like sort of an expert on The Bachelor, talk about how it's way better than The Bachelor. Um, So I was like, well, I have to give this a shot. I have been binging season one of Love Island. Again, it aired in 2015 um, at a pace that I don't think I've ever binged a TV show before. (laughs) For those of you unaware, this is the premise of this British reality show. So if you've ever seen Bachelor in Paradise, it has a very similar format in that it has about six single guys and six single girls um, show up. In, in this case, they, they live in a villa that has like a huge pool and, you know, they, they're not allowed to leave the villa. Um, and they're paired off in couples with each other. Immediately, as soon as they meet, they all have to pair off into couples. And people are allowed to switch their couplings if they like. And um, then some new single guys are brought in and the girls get to pick from all the guys. And then some new single girls are brought in. The guys get to pick from all the girls. And it's sort of this competition uh, where you're trying to pair up with someone and find love. Now, the thing that makes this different from Bachelor in Paradise is that um, the last couple standing, um, some couples get voted out by people in the house, some of them get voted out by audience, Um, last couple standing wins 50,000 pounds. So there's a financial element that makes it a little bit more interesting. Are they in it for the love? Are they in it for the money? Um, it has sort of a big brother element in that there are just cameras everywhere in the house and the property versus like Bachelor in Paradise where there are, there's a film crew on on site. Yeah. Um, also similar to Big Brother, they, they, they participate in really cheesy competitions for prizes and dates and advantages. So it's like Bachelor in Paradise mostly. However, it's so much better than Bachelor in Paradise. And Bachelor in Paradise (laughs) is my favorite of that franchise. Here's why it's better than Bachelor in Paradise. This show is so much funnier and the characters are so much more lovable. The kind of people that go on this show, I think the Bachelor contestants tend to be this sort of, for the most part, a little bit prim and proper Um They're all kind of, like, perfectly gorgeous, and they all um, want to be, like, very well-liked, you know? 
Um, these contestants are a little bit more outrageous. They're all very pretty, but um, I wouldn't say they're quite on like a Jersey Shore level of outrageous, but they're closer <laughs> to that than they are the Bachelor contestants. They're all fairly arrogant. They all have pretty big, loud personalities. Um, so right off the bat, they're just more fun. Um, in addition to their personalities, because this is on like a British network, I don't know what network specifically, but they don't censor anything. It seems like, um, all of the language stays in, um, all of the sex that happens in the house is very much on display. Um, Bachelor in Paradise, again, tends to like edit around things or, you know, fade to black when people start kissing. This show does none of that. Um, there's rampant nudity in the house, sex, cursing, just the same thing that you do when people are stuck in the house for, you know, two months and are all falling in love with each other. And it is a blast to watch. I Like I said, I've binged the last season, this first season, in about three or four days. And there are um, 34 episodes, hour-long episodes, in season one. Um, and I wish there were more. I, I'm obsessed. <laughs> I, from what I've, from like brief researching, I think Love Island was a show that happened years ago in British television before this iteration. Um, but like I said, season one of this iteration aired in 2015. So I've had to really resist from Googling any of the stars to see if they're still together um, or still dating the person they met on the show because I don't want anything spoiled for me. But yeah, I, I'm fascinated. Well, that sounds absolutely terrible, but... <laughs> Lucas, I would love for you to watch just like half a season and tell mm. me that you're not like obsessed with it. I have no, no interest in the slightest. Oh, Lucas, <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. The the only draw is that this is British. That's the uh, only thing Lucas, that I'm like, I mm, maybe, but <laughs> to watch it with subtitles because the <laughs> accents I've I've never heard British accents this thick. Oh man. Where no, yeah, they don't they don't show those accents on TV. They those really are, don't those are the trash ones. They really don't. <laughs> I can't understand them at all. I've grown very fond of them, but yeah. I can't understand them. Um, and yeah, I have to watch it with subtitles, but it's well, worth it. <laughs> Moving on okay. to what I'm feeling this week, which is, you'll probably, I don't know if you'll have the same reaction that I just had, but probably. Um, this weekend, I was at a cabin with some buddies, and we had no internet connection and only a handful of DVDs, and we ended up watching the 2007 Hot Rod um, twice. This is not an amazing movie at all. It has very, like, I'm very much not a fan of, like, sophomoric humor at all. Um, and I am really not a fan of Andy Samberg's man-child bit um, in most of the things that he does. But what helps is that in this one, he's actually young enough. And I think he has overdone it enough in the, in the movie for it to work. Um, but I think this movie changed the way that I thought about movies when I first saw it. Um, I didn't like it at all when I <laughs> when I was first introduced to it, but it really showed me a lot about what kind of like illogical, absurd humor um, that you know you you see in like Anchorman and other Will Ferrell movies, but not to this level 
um, at all, which I think was super hard to pull off and still makes the audience have th- have sympathy for your main characters, which I think this movie nails. Um, but there are really two things that I want to talk about with this. I want to talk about the cast, and I want to talk about the music. So, one, the cast shout-outs, Ian McShane, Danny McBride, Bill Hader, out of control and amazing in this movie. Everything they do is a scene stealer, and even their lines that aren't supposed to be funny, um, they deliver them in such ridiculous ways that it really actually elevates most of the scenes that they're in. Um, And then the soundtrack, this is mostly songs by the band Europe, which makes no sense at all on paper. Actually, none of this movie makes sense on paper, (laughs) but it just truly, truly transformative. It is hilarious to watch and so much fun to get into. Um, I don't think this movie did well at all. I haven't looked it up, but it, this movie did not do well when it first came out. I remember seeing it and hating it, and I remember a lot of people that I liked hating it, and a lot of people that I hated loved it. So I don't think <laughs> I don't think it worked out well at the beginning, but I do think that it's probably a cult classic that a lot of people follow. I haven't heard many people talk about it recently, but I just remember there's so many lines in it that I remembered um, and really, really love now. So have you, I'm sure you've seen Hot Rod at some point. Yeah, I have seen this. I remember actually seeing it when it came out with my little brother. And we loved this movie. Um, I don't remember much about it other than that, like, we just really loved watching it. But I do really relate to what you were saying about how um, you didn't like it the first time, but then it really, like, made you see movies in a new light. I didn't feel that way with Hot Rod because I I think I did like it a lot the first time I saw it. But I felt that way with a very similar movie, um, Napoleon Dynamite. I remember mm, yeah. the very, people raving about Napoleon Dynamite and me watching it for the first time and thinking like, what are people talking about? Like, is this some <laughs> joke that I do not understand? And then the next few times I saw it, I really appreciated it for what it was. And it did kind of open to my eyes about all the different ways that like movies can tell stories and like the different yeah. styles of movies there can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think before that I had only watched like a lot of standard movies released in like the late nineties, early two thousands that right. just fit a very specific mold. Yeah. Um, I probably hadn't watched a single like indie film and in- at that point mm-hmm. and yeah, Napoleon Dynamite kind of woke my eyes up to that and hot rod. I think, is a movie that I just hold very dear to me. And it always just makes me so sad knowing that those Lonely Island boys make such good stuff and yet don't make the money that it really it's deserves. so true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, even, like, when we watched Popstar, what was that, a couple years ago? Yeah. That, like, that is excellent. It's a it's really amazing. excellent movie. And to know that they were able to do that because of Hot Rod, even though Hot Rod didn't didn't do well, I think is, it makes me really happy. Didn't and didn't do well. Popstar also didn't do well. But I'm hoping that this just continues, that they're able to continue to make their art, um, even though it isn't successful. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, financially. Financially, correct, correct. Critically, yeah. it's adored. Um, I don't know. Is Popstar? I, I haven't looked it up, but did, yeah, a, lo- did no, a lot pop- of people love Popstar? Okay. Yeah, a lot of critics really love Popstar. Okay, good, good. Because I know they did not like Hot Rod. So yeah. <laughs> Hot Rod has like a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. So. Yeah. I was, yeah I've, I've gone on this rant before, but um, I was looking up a movie that I, I really loved that came out this year on <clears> Rotten Tomatoes. Um. And it got a 72%, which isn't, like, bad, but it's also not, mm-hmm. like, you know, a 90% it's not like, amazing, like I've right. loved, you know. Um, but, again, I've gone on this room before, but 
we don't know these critics that are reviewing on Rotten Tomatoes. And for that movie in particular, there were 43 critics who were whose reviews counted toward that percentage. And mm. I did a very brief like look over to see how many were men and how many were women. And now, granted, I'm going based off of just the names of people. And so that's I'm making a lot of assumptions about gender. And obviously, there are more than two genders. But um, just from like going off the names of people that were most likely men or most likely women, um, there was about 26% of those reviewers were women. And I just feel like every Rotten Tomatoes review, if we're just going to go by percentages now, you know, like if we're just counting everything by the numbers, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then you should also have plastered on that review 76% of these reviewers are men. You know, let's be really upfront about what kind of data set we're working with. Um, because I think that that makes a big difference. So that's just yep. my mini Rotten Tomatoes rant yeah. that I love to go on. I overall, I try not to look at Rotten Tomatoes for a movie that is new or like has come out recently. Um, that I mostly that I like haven't seen just because it does like start to skew my view of it mm-hmm. of like, well, I'm supposed to like it cause most people like it and that kind of a thing. Sure. Um, Unless it's like that's what everybody's talking about is like this has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like yeah. you can't you can't avoid that. But uh, movies that came out a long time ago that I have seen, I'm always super curious to see what the Rotten Tomato see, score is. It's really interesting. I think that those are even more untrustworthy. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, which is I think why it's more fun, just because it's like, well, this. I mean, because I don't I don't remember when Rotten Tomatoes started, but yeah. it, it's been around for like less than 20 years and so older movies are people are a lot of like just people like not necessarily understanding the rotten tomatoes dynamic and kind of how their reviews sure fit into that and so it yeah it's you get because movies that are actually great movies that are just all over the place on the rotten tomatoes let me score. tell you my friends and i recently just um re-watched an amazing movie that we adore called Troop Beverly Hills. Have you seen this, Lucas? I have not seen it, but I know you what should, it is. You should watch it. I would love your take on it. Because, yes, it's campy, but I do think it's a good movie. And <laughs> it has an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. You know, and I just think that's the most bullshit thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, I tend to use Rotten Tomatoes only when it's kind of crunch time. And I have three movies to decide between which I'm going to see and Mm -hmm. then I'll look up Rotten Tomatoes and see and then most likely go see the highest rated one um just you know just to make it a safer bet for where where I'm going to spend my time um but I rarely look it up to see decide do I want to see this movie let's see what it's it is on Rotten Tomatoes I just feel like it ends up being just a quick kind of gut reaction to most of those scores sure so yeah all right well, speaking of quick gut reactions, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to our new section, In or Out. What is it? You're either in or you're out, right now. All right. Um, so here we're just going to go through a list of things real quick. Um, if you've shout out if you've seen them, how you feel about it, whether you're in or out. So first, the VMAs were this week. Did you watch the VMAs? Are you interested in the VMAs? Um, I used to be when I was younger, and I don't have time for them anymore. Plus, I don't have MTV. There you go. I care nothing for the VMAs. So all of that is, we're out, both of us. Um, next, The Meg. Did you end up seeing The Meg? No. You know, I think The Meg has a really, really fantastic trailer. Um, I'm not into shark movies at all, but this was one I considered going to see 
but then the reviews are bad, so I'm out on the Meg. Exactly. It made a huge amount of money whenever it opened, whatever opening weekend that was. Um, but yeah, it doesn't. It didn't look like it would be something that I'm interested in. I'm also not into shark movies at all. Um, so also out. Boom. We're on a roll. Okay. King Lear um, by William Shakespeare, starring Anthony Hopkins. Uh, the trailer just dropped yesterday. It is coming out on Amazon Prime soon. Um, as a, I can't tell if it's a series or a movie. I haven't actually checked. Who else is in it? Anthony Hopkins. Emma Thompson. Uh, Emma Thompson. Um, Florence Pugh. Yeah, Florence Pugh. Emily Watson. Yeah, that's true. Emily Watson. Yes. So it looks like amazing just reinterpretation of the actual King Lear play by um, Shakespeare. So in or out? Um, in on modern retellings of Shakespeare. Uh, in on this amazing cast out on the subject matter. Mm, yeah. Um, I love when people just take Shakespeare and just do Shakespeare, but just in a modern way. So it's the actual, the same script, the same play. Um, and so I'm always down to watch that. Um, this is rough for sure. <laughs> King Lear is not your, your right. easiest subject matter to get into, yeah. but I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it. So we'll, yeah, we'll see how that goes, but I'm in. Um, and kind of right up against that is Netflix is coming out with a new movie starring Chris Pine called The Outlaw King about the Scottish Rebellion. Uh, this is like post-Braveheart. Um, but yes, uh, Chris Pine also starring Florence Pugh. Um, she is killing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Post-Lady Macbeth. Uh, so in or out on this, Scott, uh, Chris Pine with a Scottish accent. In on the amazing cast, <laughs> in on Chris Pine's amazing blue eyes, and in on and this really, really great title out on the subject matter again. Yes. <laughs> I figured that's how it would be. I'm in on everything. I, like, again, I'm not super into, like, Scottish uh, war stuff, but everything about this just makes it so awesome. Um, yeah, Chris Pine is looks amazing in this. He has his salt and pepper beard. It's he's he's rocking that for sure. Um I am I'm really, really ready for him to to start playing like grandpa roles in like this will be this is like thirty years out, but like he's gonna have he's just gonna be bearded, I feel like, for the rest of his career once that comes in full white. So yeah. um but yeah, I'm in. I cannot wait for this movie. It's coming out on Netflix. So yeah, the two things that I'm super pumped about are coming out on Netflix and Amazon, which I'm really surprised by. Because I, I feel like I I like Netflix and Amazon stuff, but I I don't like hear about them in advance. Yeah. Um, I will also say Outlaw King has Aaron Taylor Johnson, who I have oh, a yes. special affinity That's for. Right. Um, he is someone else that I would love to see in a rom-com. That's true. That's true. Has he, I don't think he's done one. No, um, he's did, he did that, um, Beatles movie. I'm trying to think of. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think he's done a lot of rom-coms. Yeah. Another one that I would say, just let them be British. Like don't yeah. try and, cause you try to make him something else and he does not work well, but if he's just him, I feel like he, he does a really great job. Sure. So yeah. Keep the Brit boys Brit. All right, <laughs> let us move on to our feature review of Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians is a rom-com based off the global bestseller who follows Rachel Chu as she goes to Singapore to meet her boyfriend's family. Um, Sandra, tell me what you knew about this movie going into it. I knew that it was based on a book that I have not read. Um, I knew that it had an all-star cast and that people were really, really excited about it. 
That is all true. <laughs> um, I ended up reading the book beforehand, um, which I, I didn't think the book was all that great. Um, I learned a lot just about like that culture and that like obviously in a book you're going to learn more about culture stuff than in a movie. Um, but I think what the movie ended up doing that I really liked was um, kind of redefining some of those plot lines and some of those themes that are in the book and just making them a little bit more coherent. Um, this feels like a first book by somebody. Um, and I think the movie did a great job of adapting it. So, Sandra, first impressions of the movie, what'd you think? I had such a fun time seeing this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Some My coworkers and I actually took the afternoon off um, to go see it at, like, on opening day um, in the middle of the day. And... So that whole experience was just so fun. But, um, you know, I love rom-coms, and I'm glad that they're getting a big budget experience again. Um, because there was a time where rom-coms were, like, major money makers, And lately, if I want to see a good rom-com, it has to be, like, kind of an indie an indie take on yeah. a rom-com, which I adore. But it's fun to have rom-coms again have the the money and the color and the glamour and the fun and the huge cast behind them again. Um, so I had so much fun with this movie. I'm also a particular fan of John M. Chu, the director. Um, his like his films before this are films that like I really gravitate towards. Um, and so I think you really see his special talents all over this film. Um, and so I think a lot of that really excites me about the movie. Um, and then also, like I said, this cast is incredible and I was only familiar with about like three or four of the actors in it before this film. And Mm -hmm. I'm so, so excited to like know all these actors now and to see them in future films and to like follow their careers, just having my eyes opened to this amazing cast of talent um, is like worth the price of admission. Oh yeah, for sure. Like this, I, I think all of these people will now be getting like much larger roles based on this. Um, there have been like a lot of breakout stars out of this that everybody's like, Oh wow, I've never heard of this person. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really, really excited to see like 10 years down the road to see like what this film did for a lot of these people's careers. Um, obviously Constance Wu people had heard of from fresh off the boat, but she was definitely not like a household name. Um, but I I feel like people who like follow film and stuff, I I mean, really fresh off the boat is her kind of, only big thing that I think anybody's heard of. Sure. Um, so she's obviously going to be incredible. Um, Michelle Yeoh is the, I think the, the, one of the best actors <laughs> ever. Um, and I think she's like probably the person that everybody had heard of, um, coming into this movie. Um, but Aquafina, people had seen, Kim I think Jong, she's, you know, yeah, Oh yeah. Yeah. Kim, Jong, yeah, um, yeah. Kim Jong. I'm a big fan of Nico Santos from Superstore. Yes. He, yep, he's excellent. Um, they're like, but it's all these people with kind of smaller roles, like Ken Jeong, um, Jimmy O. Yang, who was in Silicon Valley. Yeah, Nick, Nico, Nico Santos. All of these people had kind of like smaller roles, usually on TV shows. Um, and this, I think, is going to let them do more things. And now people have heard of them. And I'm so excited about that because they're all so good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally right before we recorded, I found out that Remy He, who plays Alistair in this film, um, mm-hmm. just got cast in the new Spider-Man movie. Um, oh, yeah. So like, this is already 
I mean, he has a very small role in this film, mm-hmm. you know, like a uh, very funny, but like not much happens with his character and already he's getting cast in Marvel movies. So yeah. like, that's really exciting. Yeah. And then Gemma Chan who plays Astrid is in Captain Marvel. So I'm, I didn't really... know that that's exciting yes. too. Yes. So obviously she was already in it before this came out, but yeah, we're just going to be seeing more of these people, which I'm pumped about. Yeah. Um, okay. As far as how did Ramad- you feel about this movie? Oh yeah. I didn't even talk. <laughs> yes. I loved this movie. This movie was so much fun. It's also a, f- it's very a visually active movie. Lots of stuff is kind of always going on and there's always stuff to look at. I feel like sometimes you get rom-coms where it is very much, we're telling a story and it's very much a, you know, a dialogue heavy story and um, we're not going to focus too much on visuals. Whereas this one um, is a great story. And also because like you said, when you have someone like John M. Chu doing a movie like this, he's done action movies like he's done like gi joe retaliation he did step up two um and things like that let i think have really prepared him for we're just going to do a normal talky movie but really give it some visual flair so you have a lot of movement going on in a lot of these scenes and it's just as always super interesting um as well as there's a lot of food in this movie (laughs) yeah um i was not expecting it to be a food movie but there's so so many shots of food or people in kitchens even if it's just talking there's like food going on in the background um and i hadn't had supper when i watched (laughs) this movie and so i was starving um but it really i think because of that like with with the food with the atmosphere that it puts you in it really lets you see singapore um not a singapore that you would actually go to because these people are on a completely other level um and just the experience really puts you there and it doesn't feel like it was filmed on a back lot in hollywood yeah no it really doesn't um the setting in this movie is like part of what makes it so incredible um Mm -hmm. and by setting i don't just mean singapore but i mean the setting of wealth you know the setting of these are people who can have a bachelor party on a yacht. These are people who can, you know, fly off to islands or, um, you know, live in the biggest mansions you've ever seen. Um, all those things like really are feasts for the eyes in this film. I also really want to give a special shout out to one of my favorite small features of the film was the typography used throughout. Oh yeah. Um, from the very opening credits, it's just full of color and amazing, like old fashioned, but like glamorous, almost art deco kind of like designs and, um, but very, very colorful. Um, it's not just like kind of like gold and silver and like black that Mm -hmm. you would see from like a typical art deco thing. It's really brightly colored. And, um, every time we would get a new piece of typography on the screen saying like what country you are in, um, I would get so excited, like just that, even that small detail, those are the things that like John Chu, um, all those like little special touches of a film of his that really make you feel like you're, in, you're watching something mm-hmm. special. Yeah. I think, yeah, that, that typography really clues you in as well as just, I, I'm coming back to just like the sets, like have that, that real art deco feel, but in a different way than you've seen them before. Yeah. And so it all kind of pieces to pieces it together in a way that feels really coherent. Yeah. So it's, it's beautiful. It really is. Um, I want to just talk more about John Chu as a director real quick. Um, yeah. like I said, I'm a big fan of his and he has made a lot of successful movies that 
I would say are not critical darlings, but they, you know, do fairly well. Um, and I think there's such a special place in the industry for a director like him who makes movies that are truly like the primary goal is to be fun and entertaining. Um, and like we live in a society where a lot of movies like it seems like that's their primary goal. Like we have a, we have like three or four Marvel movie Marvel movie mm-hmm. coming out every year. <laughs> but I feel like there isn't enough time spent or energy devoted to movies that are just like truly fun and that's it and they that are not superhero movies um and he makes a lot of these movies so like um he started kind of with uh the step up films the sequels to the step up films um Mm -hmm. he's made step up 2 and step up 3d which i think are two of the best in that franchise and um it, those movies, as well as his like series called The LXD, really showed that like he understands how to tell a story so visually because they're all about dancing. And the storytelling in those films, the dancing are the best part of those movies. And like that's where the story really thrives. And that's and he is the person that is able to like handle that kind of storytelling. Um, he also made the documentary about Justin Bieber called Never Say Never, which I think is like a really great documentary. Um, that documentary plus Step Up 3D are the only two instances of 3D in film that I've been like enthralled by. Um, Interesting. I usually avoid 3D films. I've seen yeah. them before and then like, oh, that was not worth it or I didn't enjoy that. But those two movies, the 3D works so well. He embraces the gimmick of 3D in those films in a way that just like has you like having a great time. He doesn't take it too seriously or like pretend it's not a part of the film. You know, so many of these movies we see in 3D, but they weren't even made for that. And so yeah. it's like, why am I even here? Um, <laughs> with those movies, he like fully embraces the 3D and like makes it a part of the way he's shooting and telling that story. So I think he's like really innovative in that sense. Um, and then after that, he's like I said, he's made sequels that I really appreciate. Like Now You See Me Too and Now Crazy Rich Asians is you know kind of the start of a franchise. I'm just so excited about his career and the way he shoots stories. Um, I'm especially really excited at the fact that he is now going to be working on In the Heights, the Lin-Manuel um, yes. musical as a film. Yes. Because watching this movie, Crazy Rich Asians is not a musical, but it has the trappings of one and and that it's kind of this outrageous story in this glamorous setting there is a like a few little dance montages but nothing like you know you would see in a step up film the whole time i was just like i need to see a musical from john m chu <laughs> um, and i'm it's really excited that one is coming yeah as far as like the dancing and i would i'll bring in this I'll, we'll talk about the soundtrack in a bit but like as far as him kind of building this world like yeah with the dancing with the music with um, kind of everything besides the actual like written script story. Um, he's, I think he's a master. Like I really do think he knows exactly what he's doing and is really great at it. Um, but can we talk about the music real quick? Yeah. The soundtrack in this is so good. Um, it's got a bunch of songs that you've heard before, um, either sung in, you know, Cantonese or Mandarin or something, you know, a couple different languages. Um, and I, and, and they're not just, you know, sung in those languages. They're actually covers and 
performed differently than you've seen them before, right. which I thought was a really smart choice. And, a, and instead of instead of one, just using the English version of those songs, but actually integrate. And a lot of it is, I, f- uh, I forget what it's called, when the song is like a part of the um, oh, yeah. the world. Right. Like you know the characters are hearing it. That it's I forget what it's called, but it usually happens when a you know, character turns on a radio or you know is at a concert or something like that. Um, he uses that in world music a lot where people are singing or... You know, these people are at a wedding, and so like they're playing a song. I think the only every party the only has song in, like a cocktail lounge singer kind e- of exactly yeah. like that kind of stuff, and it's so so good and such like such a different way of hearing it. I think there is one song sung in English, um, but everything else is new, and so you're you're just kind of like getting to just kind of fall back and like listen to these songs that you you know but in a new way yeah. which I thought was awesome. The one I don't want to spoil the moment but the one song yeah. that is sung in English um mm-hmm. is one of my favorite songs ever and yep. that scene has mm-hmm. is like super emotional for the people in the movie and I found myself like overwhelmed with emotion. Um, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think it yeah, it's, that, it's perfectly done. That it, moment, <laughs> it really I, that is. That moment is the peak of the movie for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, Right, yeah, I've been listening to this soundtrack. I've, I, it was, a, it's really incredible. I'd also love to talk about the script with you and like, okay, and, yeah, and some of the, like the the actual mm-hmm. story of this film. Um, all that I said about John Chu and like loving his work. The caveat that I will give is that like his scripts, I think, or the scripts he works with, are not always like <laughs> bulletproof, and yeah. <laughs> his humor is kind of all over the place. Um, it's a lot of, like, very broad humor, which is has both, pro, like, pros and cons. Um, mm-hmm. I like broad humor, but it's not every joke lands, typically. Uh, so I felt that happened in this film, where, like, there was a lot that I found so funny. And then there were a few jokes where it was just like, oh, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, that's that's kind of a lame gag. Um, yeah. That's kind of the trade-off I feel like you sometimes get with his movies is that I think this movie was his the best written of all the ones that I've seen from him. Um but sometimes you're you're trading off like realistic dialogue for a visual yeah. feast. Yeah. Um I I agree. I feel like as as far as like plot goes, um they do a good job of kind of working through this in a very logical way. Um, whereas the book is a little more incoherent. Um, but as far as, yeah, like, like the actual jokes and the humor and stuff like that, it is very broad and like Aquafina brings most of the, you know, comedy to this movie. And it is and, very and just kind Nico of Santos and Nico Santos. That's he, true. That's I think true. is Both my favorite part of the film. I agree. I agree. I think he's more, he's more nuanced yeah. than her. And I, and I, I don't think it's like and there. Purposefully, it's I not, think like, Agree. Yeah. yeah, it's very yeah specifically in the script to be that way, um, but I did just find a lot of the humor to be like, okay, this is this is good. Although there were points where I was laughing out loud, totally. And like the, it's, so it, it was a mix. It's not like all the humor was 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 boring, um, but I think one of the things that I noticed in the trailer when I first saw it is some of that broad humor. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this could be very bad. Like it's, I'm interested, but it could be bad. Yeah. Um, and I think those, par- those points were bad. <laughs> just sure. like very unfunny things that were said, but, um, yeah, overall I think th- so this is written by, um, uh, Peter Chirelli, um, who wrote, uh, the proposal, which I also recently watched. Um, what did you think of that? Oh, I, I, I love the proposal. Okay, great. I, yeah, the proposal's great, for sure. It's just, <laughs> it's, it 
does a really like clean job of quickly getting you all the story you need. Um, but it kind of the same thing here. It's got some cheesy bits. It's got some ridiculousness. But that's something that you kind of roll with with movies like this um, that you know that's what you're getting into. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like this script was really, really concise compared to what the book had to do. Sure. I'm interested in reading the book after seeing this. Um, I think you should. I think it'd be especially interesting. knowing that there's a broader world than just this one book, that there's sequels to it has me yes. really interested. Um, mm-hmm. I will say there's like some cameos in this movie that have me really interested in the book series. <laughs> um, yes. I, I also want to point out that like this movie does fall under the rom-com category because there is romance at the center of the story and it is a comedy and it you know feels like a rom-com. However, mm-hmm. it's not a standard rom-com in boy meets girl or you know like two people meet and fall in love um, and yeah. th- and, th- and it ends with them figuring out that they're in love with each other and being together. That's like right. your standard rom-com. This movie is much more about fish out of water. It's much more about um, like, uh, like getting introduced to a family. Um, there are some great rom-com moments that are like your standard rom-com moments that really deal with the romance. Um, I think this movie really thrives when it embraces those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what I'm saying is I can really see the work of what I would imagine is um, the writing from the director of the proposal and like those specific mm-hmm. moments where the romance like really shines through. But that's not the majority of this film. This story is really about the character of Rachel finding her footing in like a whole new world with different types of people that she's never met before in a different environment she's never been in before. And I think that story is also so fascinating. Um, While the writing is not always like the dialogue isn't, didn't blow me away throughout all of this film. The emotional depth of the story really did. And I really like fell in love with the, with the characters and the like heart, of the story that they were mm-hmm. telling us. Yeah, I agree. There are things about this that I do want to talk about in spoilers. They're not super spoiler or anything, sure. but they are just kind of getting into more um, how this movie ends, um, but or like some of the themes of it. But yeah, I I have nothing more to say before that. Great. I think you're correct. <laughs> Go see Crazy Rich Asians in theaters. Definitely, yep. Because movies All like right. this need our dollars. That is true. All right, let's talk spoilers. Before we get started, Does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No. Crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Okay, so as far as, like, themes go, because basically the the mother-in-law feeling that you got through through this movie was her worry that that she is losing her son um, and that her son, you know, is basically going to stay in America and never come back and be with this woman and not be part of her family. Yeah. Um, is not something that's in the book. Um, it's, it, it's a very, like, I don't know, like it's, it's it, that, I think that's one of my biggest problems with the book is that it's written in a way that like, you're not entirely sure what like her motivation is and stuff like that. Like, you know, she doesn't like Rachel and you know, she, she's having issues with her son, but it's never really like explicitly stated. And just making that kind of a core theme and that her, that's her, conflict with Rachel I think really helps ground this movie a little bit more Mm -hmm. um, and not make her seem just like a terrible person 
Um, but you still have that like really good solid conflict. So yeah, um, I, I really really liked that. One of the things that I didn't like was the the intro, the the uh, what's it called, the pre credits um, scene when um, when Nick is a kid and they walk into that hotel and buy the hotel. Oh really? Um, I did not like that at all. That felt like super cheesy, <laughs> and, and like it 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 showed that they were rich, but it didn't. I don't think show anything thematically of like about the movie like there wasn't some grounding point it was just like let's let's show how rich these people are did you feel differently yeah i really loved that scene um i will admit that there's a cheese level to it um so that doesn't bother me though um Yeah. yeah i really loved that scene because one like yeah i think it is important to show before we before we get to go to singapore and like see all the wealth we get this indicator of like just how wealthy they are. You know, they're mm-hmm. not they're not just wealthy enough to rent a penthouse suite. They're wealthy enough that they can buy a hotel at the drop of a hat. You know, like Yeah. And I think that that is an important thing to like really take notice of, but I also think it does this really great thing about showing that like depending on what part of the world you're in, not even like wealth can save you from discrimination. And that, like, even though, like, Rachel feels, like, out of water in this, like, new community, that there is, like, this thing that bonds them together, which is their ethnicity and, like, mm-hmm. the, the joys and struggles of, like, having that ethnicity. Yeah. Um, I yeah. really, I just, it really did. I really liked it. Um, but that's true. Also, and I guess it does, it, it does kind of set up, set up Eleanor's like not fear of leaving Singapore, but like not wanting her son to be part of the outside world, wanting her son to like come back to where yeah. it's, it's good and you're not safe, but like, right. um, you're in a better position here than you would be outside and don't worry about what's outside of Singapore. Yeah. So I guess it does kind of set that up. Okay. Yeah. I, I see it. I just felt like it could have been done in a better way and less cheesy but I really have to admit I think the cheese really works for me like that scene um I mean it's very much like pretty woman like you know Mm -hmm. she goes into the store she gets turned away she comes back and she rubs it in their face and like that's always satisfying to me yeah (laughs) um I'm trying to think what else well let's talk about um oh what what did I want us to talk about in spoilers. Um, oh, I want to talk about the scene that I think, the two scenes that I think were the motion, most emotionally affecting for me because they really embraced the romance of the story. Um, and that was, like we talked about earlier, the wedding sequence with um, Can't Help Falling in Love. Yes. Yeah. I mean, one, it's just a beautiful sequence with the, the setting, the water, mm-hmm. the bride. Um, the song is incredible. Covers of that song will always get me. Um, and then just truly the look exchanged by our two romantic leads. Like, no new thing happens other than that they both realize just how deeply in love they are with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they and they whisper that across the room to each other. Like, no yeah. big plot change happens. And yet it is such an amazing moment. Um, yeah, I think you also in that moment everybody else 
starts to realize. Like you get a lot of people realizing how how much in love they are, um, and like the, like even the bride and groom have like a good moment there where they're just so happy to be there. Like which you normally wouldn't do in a movie like this. Yeah. I feel like you're, they're they're also cutting to them just being so happy to be together, and you're just like, man, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, those characters just are overwhelmed by tears, and it made me yeah. like want to cry. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that was, I think, an incredible moment. And then the other moment that really embraced like the rom com nature of this was him chasing her down on the plane, which was, I think, truly very funny. Um, yes. Him interacting yes. with passengers on that plane. There was mm-hmm. one background actor behind Constance Wu that was just like reacting and watching. The so whole time. good. So funny. So good. I died laughing. Everyone was laughing at her. Every time yeah. I Everyone saw her in my face. theater. Yeah. Yep. yep. So like one <laughs> incredibly funny works on that level. Two, everything he's saying is such a great rom com moment about like I had all this planned and yet. I, I'm so happy to even be proposing to you here on this crowded airplane. Um, mm-hmm. And just that whole speech is very rom-com, very great. And then you get this amazing emotional emotional payoff where he opens the ring and you see, and ev- immediately you know that, like, it yep. just means so much. It means yeah. that he loves her and it also means that, like, her mother, his mother has decided to accept her into the family. Um, Mm -hmm. and just like, what a perfect visual payoff, you know, it was set up and paid off in the like perfect way. It's true. I think that that is one of the things. And again, that's something that's not in the book at all. Like that isn't something that's like, cause, cause you feel like that's such a big emotional moment that you're like, okay, this was taken from the book, but it's not, that's completely new, which I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is what I'm here for. Like these really nice emotional moments. Um, that just really tie this movie up in a great bow. Sure. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I like this movie a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have to talk about in spoilers the Harry Shum Jr. cameo. Okay, yes. So he's in the trailer. So they sh- I know they shot a whole oh, thing. Oh, I didn't notice him in the trailer. With him, yeah. They cut everything of his, but he's – I watch the trailer because he's in it, and they do a lot with him, I think. Because um, it, it, if he's in it, that means there's a whole plot line that they ended up cutting out um, that I guess they're saving for the next movie or something like that. Right. I don't know. Um, but I'm pumped. Yeah. So I adore him as an actor. He's great. Um, it also means we'll probably get some more dancing in the next movie. That would be really <laughs> wonderful. Um, so I've done some like Googling about like I've looked up like Wikipedia plot summaries for these books um, mm-hmm. and just very briefly skimmed over them. So I recognize yeah. that like the potential for sequels and let me tell you just that I hadn't before seeing this movie, I hadn't looked up anything from the books. So, but mm-hmm. knowing that, that just that one glance between those two characters, it's just like, I can't wait for another one of these movies. It means mm-hmm. this cast would get back all together. It would mean probably more romance, I would imagine, in a sequel. Yeah. Because, yep. you know, these two characters, it, you don't know what their history is, if they're just meeting, if they're not. But it seems like the story would be about those two characters getting together versus this yeah. movie where our two romantic leads are already a couple. Um, yeah. So I'm pumped. I'm on board. I'm excited. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think a sequel would be great. I think it'd be awesome to have all these people back. Oh, I feel like it would make so much money. I really do. I 
Yeah, I just want this to happen a lot. (laughs) I was really surprised. My coworkers had read the books, and I was really surprised to find out that the sequel is not about Astrid, that that's the third book, but that the sequel is about Kitty Pong. What? Have you read the sequel? I didn't know that. I haven't read the sequel, but I just read the first one. Again, from a brief glance on Wikipedia and from what my coworkers have told me, that the third book in the series is about Astrid yeah. and this yeah. you know, other character. That's where I assumed the second book. No, was. the second book is about Kitty Pong, the model actress character. Yeah, that we all hate. I don't know well, why. Well, in the movie, I don't know what she was like in the first book. but in Pretty, pretty bad. Okay, yeah. <laughs> in the movie, she seems just kind of like an obnoxious character. Like, not evil right. or anything. Just Yeah, no, just, just dumb. Just kind of obnoxious. And, like, um, yeah. But apparently the second book is about her journey. Um, interesting. Which is very interesting, yeah. And I'm wondering if the movies will address that at all. They didn't really seem to set her up for anything. No. Although no, they, yeah. they did follow the plot point that I think, again, a, yeah. that happens in the books. But yeah. the way, they don't seem to be like loving her the way that they like the Astrid character. <laughs> No, oh. yeah. All of her plot points in the book are mostly to annoy um, Oliver, Nico Santos's character, okay. and like to show how good he is at kind of maneuvering people in the family. Yeah, how um, is that character as fun in the book as it is in the movie? No, one, he's not gay in the book, and two, he's like forty. Huh. So they've really changed him to make him, I think, much more fun yeah. and much more appealing. Like he's just kind of like this guy who's just around to give you exposition. Okay, cool. About like up to like talk about the family and who they are yeah. and stuff. So this is a much better interpretation. Is he explicitly not gay in the book, or is it just not addressed? It's not addressed at all. Okay. Yeah. So I guess he could be gay, but it's not like yeah, yeah, it's not brought up. Okay. Um, I uh, do you watch Superstore, Lucas? Yes. Okay. I, love him. I adore him so, <laughs> so much. And so mm-hmm. I would love for him to become a major movie star. For sure. Movie. For sure. I'm just, I, like I said earlier, I'm so excited to like keep an eye on all these cast members. Um, mm-hmm. Especially like, I think the main women, of course, get a lot of screen time as they sh- should. But a lot of like the smaller female characters don't get a lot of screen time in this movie. Um, yeah. So what I'm really excited about, because I've seen some of them, is like there's so many male characters that are male like actors in this film that I was unaware of. But like seeing them in this movie has me so excited. Like mm-hmm. the guy that plays the best the the guy getting yeah, married the best the friend guy getting married. he was so yeah. amazing um, oh yeah he was great he, he i think was in talks for the main character for the main character um oh really but it, and it didn't work out but he yeah. honestly i think he could have handled that character he's like oh, totally. so handsome totally. so charming um yeah we we should we should have mentioned this in the in before spoilers but henry golding who plays the main character nick young um, mm-hmm. It was so amazingly charming in this movie, and to know that this was his first acting job is incredible. Right. He was like an Instagram model, right? He was like a, a travel show host. Okay. Um, and he he like he yeah he like hosted some small travel show. Okay. Um, and the director like had a mutual Instagram friend was basically like the way that they got, got a hold of him. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, that that is truly incredible. Yeah. yeah, he did amazing 
he did amazing in the role, and like he has so much work to do in this movie. Totally. Like it's not like he's like a side character who they can get to say a few lines or, or whatever. Like, it's not he's like he's leading. just playing like a prince charming kind of distantly handsome character. You know, like true. Yeah, he's like yeah, he has a lot of work. He has a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I think I would say the one downside, and I don't necessarily know if it's his fault or not, but I didn't feel very connected to his character at the beginning of the movie. I think it's because we didn't get a meet cute, like we didn't get to see how they met. Yeah, we just get to see them hanging out, and then we spend most of our time with Rachel and me being upset that he didn't tell her that he was rich. Right. Um, and so, and so, I like I said, I don't know, I don't necessarily think that's his fault, but no. it, I mean, it could be just we didn't connect well at the beginning. You're right. Um. But, this movie yeah. could have really benefited from a meet cute. Um, yeah. Just a, yeah. one quick scene to start a meet cute, and then like nine months later, whatever. You know, yeah. like. I will say the book has one, and it's great. Oh, okay. And I, I don't know why they book. didn't include it. Um, a meet cute <laughs> would have been great. And then in that meet cute, you could work in a moment where he has the opportunity to like explain how he's like super rich and he decides to forego it you know like yeah you can see it on his face like something comes up and you know she's like oh first class people or whatever and then you can see him specifically like leave out that information and um that would have like really set them up pretty nicely um however i did really really love the gag of all the gossip being spread about him and rachel so quickly um, yes. You think it kind of is happening over several days. Over like, yeah. And then they're <laughs> and still then they're in the room. still <laughs> sitting down. He, he's seeing him pick up the phone and realizing that it's yeah. all happened within a matter of minutes. Was <laughs> very, very funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that about wraps it up for us. Um, until next time, Sandra, where can we find you online? You can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. And you can find the show at Feeling It Pod or send us an email at feelingitpod at gmail.com. Not at feelingitpod, just feelingitpod at gmail.com. That's how emails work. Okay. All right. We will talk to you guys later. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 